Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. I'm Zancy Weber and I'm here to talk to you about the lessons that musicals teach us with my effervescent co-host... Julia Eisentrager. <laughs> you, were you not expecting an adjective? No! <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like bicarb in a glass of water. Effervescent. Uh, Miranda is still... Off directing shows and living her best theatre life. You know what I think she's actually doing? What is she actually I doing? I think she's like sitting at home eating chips and she just doesn't want to be my friend anymore. Um, I'm in the show that she's currently directing, so I'm going to say she's probably at least half the time directing a show. Okay. I think it's just because you want chips. I really want chips. <laughs> and that voice belongs to our special guest this week. Benjamin Tubhern. And you want to talk to us about a very unique musical titled The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Or Drood. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you search for The Mystery of Edwin Drood, it usually just comes up Drood. I'm like, I've never heard it referred to as just Drood, but I've learnt in my research for this episode Mm -hmm. that it's just called Drood sometimes. It's a bit like Madonna, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So before we do that, we do have a get to know you quiz that uh, we give to our uh, guests. So which musical character would other people compare you to? This is like a hard one because I'm not a performer. Like I'm a sort of musician, musical director. So it's really hard. Like, I don't know. Like I wrote down something like Donkey from Shrek because... Super annoying and energetic. Yeah, but like once you strip down all of the the onion layers, like generally a pretty okay guy. Just you know, just a I little think you're annoying. About Shrek. Yeah, maybe you're Shrek then. Well, that could be the guy that I'm supposed <laughs> to be. Because again, that was a hard one, one too. But yeah, I think you know, yeah, maybe maybe Shrek. Like at the end of the day, it comes across quite gruff, gruff and but antisocial. Yeah. That has a sweetheart, really. I think. That's, Is there a musical um, version of The Grinch? Uh, then maybe it'd be The you Grinch. I don't think so. No, because I don't think there's anything nice about The Grinch. He's, is there? He, he, he has a good heart. He it was still turned mean. He does, but he turned mean after an altercation with a lady. Yeah, so he was nice. He was lovely. Then he got turned mean and bitter because everyone was like, You're ugly, world. you're green. And like, then at the you, end. Did you say about a lady? Yeah, yeah, when I mean, he was little. <laughs> well, maybe we've answered this question, but which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? I don't know. Like, I this is such a tricky one, and I've been racking my brain about it. I kind of think maybe, yeah, maybe like the whole Shrek thing. Like, because at the end of the day, if anyone's watched Shrek or like the sort of the movies, they know that although he's just a little gruff and grumpy, he's actually not a not a bad bloke and yeah he's pretty grounded and yeah i think that you know he's a homeowner yeah he's got yeah. land he's, he's got true. a lovely family and good kind of guy obviously great you know looks after himself <laughs> 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 all right well well you're you're not a performer per se but if there was one role that you would love to do which would it be okay so i wrote down two uh, the first one is actually a Dan from Next to Normal. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to sort of assist a musical director a couple of years ago. 
and uh, just that role has such variety and you you just you you're wanting him just to to get his family back together and you really want everything to happy a happy ending and i kind of it's just got some some of the most gorgeous gorgeous songs in there and um some some really good humor like it's going to be good like i think it's just like my yeah. favorite like Every show needs a hoedown. Um, every show does need there a hoedown. There are not many hoedowns in musical theatre and there should be more. I feel like nearly for a while, every single show that I musical directed, I either had a hoedown or a music box. I kind of feel that those are the two right. things. that are just Yeah. Because oh. I think like you can have a hoedown or a gospel number and you kind of <sighs> got to pick between the two. I'm going to get you a musical box that plays hoedown like tunes. Well, I did um, <laughs> I did Dirty Run Scoundrels, of which that both has a hoedown yeah. and has a gospel number. That so, hoedown. I mean, you know. Oh, that was a good hoedown. Was, oh, and some, and some yodeling. I think those, those are the trifecta <laughs> of good musicals. <laughs> well, what, was, what was your other dream role? Well, it, it was actually like from a, a technical point of view, like to, to musical direct, I'm just desperate to direct a musical direct sister act. Yes, like, yeah. Just there's something extremely uplifting and amazing about like an amazing disco queen singing ridiculously cheesy Alan Menken songs for two hours straight and Done. nuns, just nuns, just in general. Just I think it's just hilarious. General, yeah. Absolutely. Bring it on. All right. So sometime we all have a favorite. We do. We do. What's yours? Uh, this is the musical director coming back at me again. Sweeney Todd. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just from the, the music to the set to the costumes, it's, oh, it's just a feast for the uh, all senses, eh? Epiphany. Who hasn't had an epiphany where they want to kill everyone every now and then? Daily. Eat some Just horrible me? pies. <laughs> oh, stop talking about pies. I want pies. What's your go-to shower song? Oh, um, so much better from nice. Legally Blonde. <laughs> like, but, but not just doing Elle's part, like doing everyone's oh, part. Yeah, like you have you, to. Yeah, it's, That's what showers are for. Absolutely. When you play everyone. <laughs> Just, just like, you know, when they do all the hoods at the end where they're spelling it L words, I'm like, imagine that. And now I've, I've just got married and my last name is like super duper long. So I'm just like, I've got enough people just or hoods. An ensemble of 40 people. <laughs> Absolutely. That's weight. And think. now for the controversial one. You have to delete a musical from existence and it can't be cat. It's cats because cats is already dead. More than nine times. Definitely more than nine times. And I kind of feel that nearly every single Andrew Lloyd Webber show is is well and truly six uh, feet under. Love Never Dies is leading the next, is the next yeah. to fall off the cliff, I think. I'm currently on our Facebook calendar trying to narrow it down to like what one we hate the least and people are refusing to vote. I think people, I think <laughs> because the vote, I think currently as recording, it is Phantom and it's Starlight Phantom Express. It's Phantom and Starlight. I think people forget that Starlight Express is an Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like Love Never Dies, like the second that you hear Ramin sing anything, you kind of forgive Andrew Lloyd Webber for, for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but as soon as he stops singing, it all comes rushing back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the the show that I could gladly not see in existence is is maybe controversial, but it's, it's Rent. You're not the first. To Team say Benny. <laughs> you know Benny's in Rent, right? And yeah. Benny wouldn't exist without Rent. I, I know. I'm, I'm sure that my name was around way before that lovely musical. Well, hashtag Team Benny is um, because I'm on Benny's side in the musical. Yes, you should pay rent. Just pay rent. Just, just pay rent. Just, just become rent. a grown-up and stop singing about yeah. it and pay your bills. Stop yeah. He's like, um, oh, no, you got a job? What a horrible thing. <laughs> oh, my oh. God, you can't just be an artist? <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, we know everything there is to know now about our guest, so it's time to move on to talk about Drood. Let's do it. So, Benjamin, what can you tell us about the mystery of Edwin Drood? Or just Drood. Or just Drood. Um, so, <laughs> written in 1985 um, as part of the New York Shakespeare Festival, um, then transferred to Broadway in 87. It's, it's a great mixture of sort of um, Charles Dickens meets pantomime meets ridiculous farcical comedy. <laughs> Um, Cause it's like music hall. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's the production. Well, apparently, I mean, I've, I've been looking this up, like the original novel was so dismal and depressing 
the um, Robert Holmes, the the guy that well, we'll talk about him later, but did everything for this this show. He was like, eh, it's probably not going to sell very well if you know they they all die at the end. Um, so he he set it in a, a music hall. He gave like an MC and like just made it absolutely ridiculous and over the top, <laughs> um, and you know effectively borderline some things that may not be that that politically correct when we're talking <laughs> about borderline. the couple from Ceylon that yeah, are yeah. <laughs> you know that's <it's, laughs> I don't know what else we can really say about that. Um, it was interesting because this show. Um, is based on a book that never had an ending. Because Dickens died before he, he finished did it. did yeah. die and didn't really give too many clues as to how he was planning on, on, on ending it. Um, and looking at quite a few different people try to say, oh, no, he was going to do this, he was going to do that, um, including I believe his son had a, had a crack at it. <laughs> um, and that turns it into probably the, the best-selling point of this musical is that every single time it's ever performed, it's different. Yep. Because you as an audience get to decide how you want it to end, um, which is... <laughs> which is a very interesting <laughs> method of audience participation. I mean, which is also the way I view most musicals. I will I, I will decide what happens at this. Could you, could you imagine, like, yes, or like Miz just deciding which one you wanted to, which who should <gasps> die this time? That would be amazing. Or in Rent, Team Benny. <laughs> Of course. Hashtag Team Benny, everyone else does. Lion King, Team Scar. Oh, but yeah, who isn't Could you imagine Scar? the poor kids' faces as they come out? Right? They're like the hyenas have taken over the world. Scar be has prepared the best song, on though. Repeat. Yeah, oh, I absolutely. would watch Be Prepared on repeat. But on the on, when I saw it in Broadway, like they had all these uh, antlers on rollers. I'm just imagining those with hyenas just coming out and out oh, and like out. Like the stampede, and, but oh, instead of the, yes. the bison. It's, yeah. I kind of feel that that is definitely a direction that the mm. musical theatre for Disney should be going down. I'm really liking this version. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Drude uh, was written, both the music, the book, the lyrics. He did the orchestrations by a guy called Robert Holmes who thought he was quite cool and quite clever until someone bashed him down a little bit <laughs> and said that actually, no, someone else has already done that before. But um, it was, it's, yeah, it's some great music. It's very, it sounds very British pantomime and, and over the top. Um, one of the main things they do a lot of the time as well is they, they love to break the fourth wall. Um, yes. So not only do they have the cast members go into the audience and and they, you have a vote um, for who you want. Um, <laughs> the uh, the old puffer lady, uh, she in, invites everyone to sing along with her as well, which is yeah. always great sitting next to <laughs> people that have no intention to, mm. to want to, what's this, audience participation? Absolutely not. Um, so that's always fun. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, just, it's just a great, weird show. That- it is. It has a very interesting... A very interesting backstory, but it's also a very unique kind of performance in itself. In that, I don't, I can't name another musical that has like a, an audience picks the ending. No, at least not like a professional Broadway mm. production. But then, like, yeah, when all the the house lights come up and all the audience, the the people come out and they take scoring and like, and it's a spectacle in itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to see it a few times. And um, just the when all the lights come up and the the, the underscoring's all done, <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is like a 19th century wheel of fortune. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, so he did win the original production, won four Tonys of the uh, ten that it was nominated for. So it won best musical best book, best score, and leading actor for George Rose, as well as direction for Wilford Leach. But it was nominated for leading actress, featured actor, featured actress, and choreography. Ooh, quite a lot, eh? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and the revival, the 2012 revival, was nominated for five but didn't win any. So Stephanie J. Block, Will Chase, Scott Ellison, Anna Luizos, I want to say. Louisos sure. uh, were all nominated um, for leading actress, featured actor, direction, scenic design, respectively, and then it was also nominated for best revival. Mm. I will say doing my research, I had a look at the competition in 1986. It was Drood, Cats, <laughs> Big Deal, Song and Dance, and Tango Argentino. 
Oh my god. <laughs> hey, well, there is an Andrew Lloyd Webber on there, so <laughs> I mean that's a very, very strong list of contenders, I would <laughs> imagine. I will say that Tango Argentino doesn't even have a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> I reckon someone went to do it one day. I was like, all right, I'll uh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> like, can you imagine putting all that work into to a piece? And, yeah. and then, you know, we, we're getting what nearly 20, 30 years later, and they're like, yep, no, it just, just never happened. Let's, let's just erase this from, from history. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we know a little bit of the background, let's take a break and we'll come back talking the plot. Ooh. And that's the plot. Yeah. Good job, guys. Right. Quick one's we a good one. Can go home. It's great. Okay, act one. Says Wikipedia. Good, okay. Now we know where we're coming from. Act one opens as the members of the Music Hall Royale circulate among the audience, introducing themselves to the patrons. More and more members of the company add to the growing noise until the music begins and the chairman of the proceedings bursts forth with the show's opening number. They then introduce John Jasper, the Jekyll and Hyde choir master, who greets his young nephew, Edward Drood, Edwin, can't talk, Edwin Drood. It's the, the main only the, character. Only the titular character. <laughs> you just wanted a good reason to say titular. There's and always I gave a good reason, reason to say titular because every show has a title. Title. <laughs> uh, so, uh, greets his young nephew, Edwin Drood, where they express their strong friendship. Kind of weird, but anyway. Drood. Oh, what's, too, what's weird about two men having strong friendship? An that's, uncle and his nephew being like, we're best friends. Yeah. Especially when one's technically like a woman anyway. It's just, <laughs> technically. It's weird. <laughs> uh, Drood is engaged to the fair Miss Rosa Budd. Uh, yeah, it's Dickens. Dickens does that a lot. Dickens. Who is just, I can't. Nice joke, Julie. Nice Honestly. joke. Never been done before. She thinks she's so clever as well. Uh, That's the worst thing. You see what he did there? Who is Jasper's music pupil and the object of his mad obsession. Jesus. Rose's suspicion of his obsession is confirmed when her next lesson, he asks her to sing the song he's written. Moonfall, an innuendo, heavy love song from Jasper to her. I, I just want to clarify: it's innuendo heavy, not innuendo heavy love song. Whatever. <laughs> As opposed to those really happy love with... light songs. <laughs> I just think like heavy love is different to an to a love song. Whatever. Heavy love is meatloaf. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve love too, Zane. Anyway. The kindly Reverend Crisp. Okay, how are we going to say that? Crisp Sparkle. Crisp Sparkle. Stupid. And two <laughs> exotic immigrants from Ceylon. <laughs> it's just like Dickens. Not worth it. <laughs> Helena and Neville Land Landless arrive. Neville is immediately attracted to Rosa, which makes him a rival to both Edwin and the secretive Jasper. Bum, bum, bum. Next, the chairman brings the audience to London and the sinister, well, no, yes, sinister opium den of Princess Puffer. <laughs> He's got away with these names, right? <laughs> I'm really liking this show. This is great. <laughs> Who talks with the audience and explains her life in the wages of sin. A sign, a sign sinewy. sinewy ballet dance follows. Okay, so I think of sinewy as like someone when they're like lost a whole heap of weight and they look really sinewy. It's a sinewy ballet dance. Um, I'm going to say something that is like really is like tight jerky moves rather than like flowing contemporary I'll ballet dance. I'll take it. We discover that one of Puffer's regular clients is none other than Jasper himself <gasps> who cries out the name Rosabud during a hallucination. Shocking. <laughs> Puffer shows great interest in this fact and stores it away in her memory. Back in Cloisterham, Cloisterham. That I mean, if it's in Scottish. Britain, it wouldn't pronounce the H. Ah, uh, whatever. Look at him. <laughs> He's so English. Yeah. Whatever. You guys made sooty. Okay. And Just sweet. Saying. 
Anyway. <laughs> Neville, and, <laughs> Neville and Drude come to odds with each other almost immediately. Uh-oh. Next, the chairman is called to play another character as that actor is not, unable to come. But it turned out that the scenes of his character and the scenes of the mayor Sapsi can coincide and the characters have have to disagree with each other. This results in major confusion of the poor Mayor Sapsi slash the chairman and laughs for the audience. Lucky audience. (laughs) (laughs) He and Jasper sing of their conflicting minds and Jasper, of course, meaning it literally in the patter song, Both Sides of the Coin. P.S. I've been singing Both Sides now, like Jodie Mitchell for ages by reading Both Sides. (laughs) I want to hear you sing that song though. You want to hear me sing both sides of the coin? The, the patter song, yeah. You find me the sheet music and we'll make it happen. <laughs> tempo, double tempo. Absolutely. <laughs> we are then introduced to the drunken stonemason Durdles and his assistant deputy. You're loving these names, aren't you? <laughs> In the graveyard, they tell us that Edwin and Rosa, who have been promised to each other since they were children and so cannot tell if they are truly in love with each other, have called off their engagement. As a parting gift, Rosa gives Drood her hair clasp, which once belonged to her mother. Gee, gross. Edwardian hair things are so gross. Such a weird present it's as well. Like so here gross. you go, here's a have some hair clip hair. for a dude. You here's couldn't even. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> you could wash it though. Like, <laughs> oh, can I be get washed. what it means. I was thinking like a uh, morning. A morning clasp or a morning ring that had like hair in it. Oh, right. Or could yeah. you know if it like just gave some extensions? Like, here you go. <laughs> she just rips out her Hey, hey, Drew, have my weave. Girl. Girl. It is Christmas Eve and Jasper has arranged a reconciliation dinner for the landless twins. Chris Sparkle, Rosa and Drood. And Drood. Full stop. That's what it says. In the result. <laughs> I can't anymore. Anyway. Neville and Drood's antagonism and is reinstated. Helena's and Chris Sparkle's worry for Neville's reputation is shown and it is revealed that Chris Sparkle used to be in love with Rose's mother who <gasps> died after Rose's birth. What? Dun dun what? <laughs> Soon the party disbands and the guests depart into a violent storm. There is a short halt here where the actor playing Bazard's Bazard? Sure. Soliloquizes about how he never seems to be able to get a major part in a show. <laughs> I love it. The next day, Drude has vanished. Chris Barkle's assistant discovers Edwin's torn coat by the river. Drude was last seen walking there with Neville the night before. Neville is almost lynched by the townsfolk before being <laughs> rescued by Chris Barkle. <laughs> Jasper publicly swears to track down his nephew's killer. And later he visits Rosa and confesses his love for her. She is horrified and angry and they sing a song ending with Jasper's pursuing Rosa off stage as the act concludes. Oh. Bunt, bunt, I just bunt. like how ever they're like angry or sad or upset. I'm just going to sing about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not do. do anything about it. I'm just going to, you know, soliloquize. <laughs> And then continue doing exactly the same thing. (laughs) And I love that, like, you can read the plot and still have no idea what it's about. I'm like, what? Who's doing what now? Yeah, I think that's the difference between reading and comprehending. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I skipped that bit at school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah. We'll forgive you. I mean, this is, though, a a pretty weird show-in, show-in, show plot of, like, you know. Of a plot of a breaking of the fourth wall of a plot. And that's the thing. Usually the actors break and basically just tell you mm. what's going on. Handy. Handy. That's the kind of plays I like. Anyway. Act two begins six months later and there is still no sign of Drood. There is much speculation to his fate. Meanwhile, it is revealed that Puffer he has been investigating Drood's disappearance but has also noticed a rather seedy-looking figure who seems to be doing the same. Turns mm. out that this man, played by the same actor who plays Drood normally, Dick... Dutchery. I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't giggle before you said that name. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting it. I was keeping it. I was keeping it. Is a private... (laughs) Dick is a private investigator. (laughs) Penis jokes. They (laughs) They sing. The cast appears and summarizes the situation, warning the audience. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. 
Don't fall back on your assumptions. Hasty pres- presumptions might do you in. Telling them to think carefully of who they will vote for as the murderer in the song Don't Quit While You're Ahead. As the song climbs to a climax, the actors trail off and the chairman announces to the audience that it was at this place that Charles Dickens laid down his pen forever. So terminal, isn't it? Forever. Laid down his pen forever. Because he did. <laughs> However, you really don't like Dickens, do you? <laughs> I actually really do like Dickens. I love, yeah, anyway, let's not go into that tangent. However, they, with the audience's help, will resolve the story and the public voting begins as to who Datchery and the murderer are. Unfortunately, the actress playing Drood, and up to this point, Datchery is not chosen as Datchery and exits the theatre in a half. Okay, whatever. Once the votes have been tabulated, the cast come out and sing to welcome the audience back into the story and to remind them that the mystery has not been solved. Papa finds Rosa and reveals that years before she had been Rosa's nanny and tells her a backstory in in a song. She tells of a man who she loved and who made her become a prostitute to please his friends and then left her. Good family viewing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That that common occurrence. The very relatable situation. Yeah. You know how you run an opium den? Oh, that's because I was a prostitute. <laughs> Lol. Step up in the world. Once she lost her looks, she found her way to earning money selling opium. Oh, exactly what I just said. She then continues with Puffer's revelation and reveals the identity of Datchery, previously chosen by the audience. The evening's Datchery, either Bazard, Reverend Chris Sparkle, Helena, Neville, or Rosa explains in their version of the Revelation song. Wow, that's so, so trippy. Why they donned the costume and tracked down the killer. The girls did it mainly to disguise their gender and Neville to prove his innocence. Chris Sparkle to help both Neville and Helena and Bazard to give himself both a dramatic reveal and an important character to play. (laughs) Man, I would always. I just want a solo. Oh, the gist of each song is that the character followed Jasper to his house and found the class that Rosa gave Drood, which Jasper would have only had only if he had taken it from Drood. Jasper's double nature reveals itself and he admits that he strangled his nephew while under the influence of that word. Landonum? Laudanum. Laudanum. Thanks. That he reveals he poured into the wine the night of the dinner party. Whew. Dirtles. <laughs> The grave digger, however, disagrees. He witnessed the crime and knows who truly killed Edwin Drood. Depending on the audience's vote, the finger is pointed at Bazard, Chris Sparkle, Helena Neville, Puffer, Rosa or Dirtles. The murderer confesses and then sings a reprise of one of the several numbers beginning with a man could go quite mad. To admit his or her culpability, the gist of each of these songs is that the character who killed Drood was seeking to kill Jasper, not Drood. For his or her own purpose. Puffer to protect Rosa, Rosa to save herself, Helena to get revenge on Jasper for ruining her twin's chance at a new beginning, Bazard to bring himself into the limelight (laughs) again, (laughs) Neville because he wanted Rosa for himself and Chris Barker because he killed Rosa's mother out of jealousy and religious mania and wanted to protect both Rosa and Neville from Jasper's evil. (laughs) And breathe. However, because of the storm, Jasper had walked with Drood for a while and then given him his coat to wear for the journey home. So the murderer, because of the laudanum in the wine and the foul weather that night, mistook Drood for Jasper. Dirtles lacks this motivation, however, so he confesses. He, his confession is simply that in his drunkenness he mistook Drood for a ghost. Oh, oh it's amazing. If, although not likely the audience chooses Jasper as the murderer, Dirtles does not interrupt and a second confession is not performed, some theatres will not count Jasper votes to make sure that there is a twist. That's kind of cool. Still, a happy ending is needed. It wouldn't be musical theatre without a happy ending. Or a wedding. (laughs) Or both. And the chairman asks the audience to choose two lovers from among the remaining cast members. The two chosen members declare their love and then reprise Perfect Strangers. Just then, <laughs> there comes a noise from the crypt and the very much alive Edward Drood appears, ready to tell all what really happened on the night of his disappearance. What happened was that when Drood was attacked, do I go on? Should I go on? 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be different. Every a different time. show every That's night. That's what I was thinking. Anyway. What happened was that when Drood was attacked, he was the only he was only stunned when he fell and not killed. Jasper dragged him to a crypt where he left him. When Drood woke, he escaped and fled from that word that I can't say. Cloisterum. Thanks, guys. <laughs> only returning so that he could find out who wanted him dead. He sings to the audience and eventually joined by the rest of the cast, imploring them to hold on to their life for as long as they possibly can and telling them that holding on to life is all. The mystery is solved and the show concludes as the cast sings to the audience to read the writing on the wall. Whew. The <laughs> end. <laughs> and a nice little touch, actually. When on the Broadway revival, um, as you left the theatre, there was like a chalkboard Mm. that showed all the votes tallied. It's almost like the writing on the wall of like, here's how you voted that night. That's cool. Yeah, and you could see how close they were, which was (laughs) quite exciting. You've seen this a number of times, yeah? Yeah. Did you vote differently every time? Yeah. Or is there one that you really wanted to see? Um, yeah, no, I, I voted a few different ways, but my favorite, it was always the lovers because <laughs> by the time you've left with the, the the odd choices that you left. So the first time I saw it, the um the twins became the lovers. So like the brother right. and sister. Oi. And, well, yeah, but it was, um who was it? It was Jesse Mueller and uh, Carl, Andy, Andy, Andy Carl, Carl. yeah, um, who, who both just were, hammed the whole thing up. It was just <laughs> hilarious. So, so, yeah, no. Um, my, my claim to fame was I was one of the lovely people that got asked to hold the scoreboard at one point. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> so that means geek. like Jesse Mueller and Andy Carl were together before Waitress. I mean, if you look at the list, it's this like show catapulted a, a lot, lot of people. Of people. Oh, okay. All right. We'll get I mean, to our, we'll our get queen. To <laughs> look at our Betsy. Ooh. All right. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> take a break. We'll come back to we'll talk music and then we'll get on to cars. Oh. Music, musical numbers. Which ones do we like? All of them. Oh. All of them. That's that's an odd answer for Julie. <laughs> Every single one. I mean, I didn't get through bangers. The, the whole lot. <laughs> she only listened to two here. of them, so I mean, <laughs> it's my kind of music, though. It's it's, it's what I it's like. It's what I do. Very unlike what was going on at the time. Obviously it was written in the eighties. So yeah. they didn't rely heavily upon synth. technology or synth. There's there's <laughs> nothing. It's got Barely a, a synth gorgeous score. And um, very kind of uh, like tongue-in-cheek, upbeat sort of Do you of know mind. what it is? It mirrors in ways, but it is much, 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 much better. But it mirrors Gilbert and Sullivan kind of sound and mm. patter and Well, I mean, the whole patter song, like, both sides of the coin, it's just the iconic, like you could imagine that was written by Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. Like yeah. just just the, the, the quirky, funny lyrics yeah, and but i still claim this is much better written than any gilman sullivan it's it's tighter it's tighter than any much gilman tighter yeah. um and i think humorous. that that's just yes yeah. <laughs> less dry and long <laughs> i i think that owes to just like competition like now that there's a lot more we have a lot better mm. writing when there's just gilman and sullivan writing stuff just churning them out spitting them out day by day so i i will say both sides of the coin one of my mm. one of my favorites in in this show, really wish I'd gotten to it on the drive here. Then <laughs> you should. Okay, that's at the ten end. songs in. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't it's not take, even the end of Act One. Doesn't even take ten songs to drive here, is it? Just saying. <laughs> so I should move further away, or no? Okay, God no. You could just get lost a little bit more. Just yeah. Oh, sorry, Zane, I'm not here yet. I'm lost. <laughs> Lol. So, well, of what you did listen to, Julie, did mm-hmm. you have any? Particular favorites? No, I just liked like the overall sound of the music. I'm like, I was happy. I was content. I wasn't disgusted as I have been in the past. <laughs> well, there's such a nice. I mean, if you're looking at the first one, the "There You Are," mm. like it's such this amazing. It's almost like reporting, where you know the, the chairman's in the middle, and he actually goes, "Hey, what do you think? What do you think?" And they're all in like different bits of the 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 theater, and it's this got this like. It's that really cheesy drum pattern that really adds to like the uh, the overall atmosphere. I think, yeah. which is quite nice. Yeah. And it's you know, I'm sitting with a gent who that's <laughs> that's not me. Like, yeah, yeah. The, you know, it's the, the the lyrics are funny. I mean, you just mentioned it off mic that that act two is definitely a, a 
big change from Act One because a lot of it is exposition songs mm. or re- repetitions because you've got like setting up the score, Puffer's revelation, Jasper's confession, Murderer's confession. <laughs> it's just oh. like it's just characters telling the audience. Things. But if you listen to the soundtrack, especially the the, the new revival one. Um, those murderous confessions they go on for days forever like you're forever. like oh and who's next oh do you know what just I, I'm gonna kill them in the end I'm like, just, I, I did it just you know let's get to the end but I think as like as an actress or as an actor that would be so much fun. Like, who gets to sing the song tonight? Could you imagine the poor stage manager being like, oh, my gosh, like, this is option 73. Like, you know, <laughs> it tracks fun. people. Let's go. So fun. <laughs> I guess it. being in that music hall kind of uh, situation, you do have a fair bit of uh, leeway to to ad lib. Oh, I yeah. Guess. But, yeah, stage manager's worst nightmare. Well, my um, my little tidbit of information is that the, the musical director of the revival, can't remember his name, is Paul, maybe something. Um, he did the whole score without music. He is renowned apparently for anything that he does. He just learns it off by heart. So to learn all of those endings, I mean, there's yeah. like at least eight endings for both of them. And he's just sitting there and he was just like super, super cruisy, laid back with his little <laughs> bat on. Um, yeah, not a single score inside. So I mean, like. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's one way to make sure you're not on the wrong page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's, just nothing goes wrong and you just no. kind of have to improvise to get back to somewhere that you know. <laughs> Could you imagine? I think he would know it so well though that he'd be yeah, like, well, you would have back to. to bar 32, <laughs> let's go. I mean, even just having the score in there in front of you closed, that's statement enough. Just like to not have a yeah. score within reach, that's another statement. What are you going to do about it? Big cojones for that guy. Keys one, can I please see her score? <laughs> <laughs> Move over the way. I'm just going to I'm just gonna take it. <laughs> now, Miranda isn't here, but we. I think we should mention Jasper's Vision, which is, in fact, a dream ballet. Oh. And Miranda does love a dream ballet. She, and But there is also no... Um, on track. There's or, there's no overture. Yeah, no overture, not on track. So she will be disappointed about that. But still. But I still, think, there I is a dream ballet. It's, it's more than a dream ballet, though. It's like an opium den yeah. dream ballet. It's like it's a like, hallucination. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's, yeah. I just remember watching it and just... There's so many effects that they managed to get in in the show. Like, uh, obviously, you know, they're dealing with quite a lot of budget, so it's yes. fine. <laughs> but, yeah, gosh, just... Good opium ballet, you can't beat it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's going to be top five because I can't think of another show with an opium ballet. <laughs> <laughs> or any other hallucinogenic ballets. Yeah, okay. Damn shame, really. I mean, it sounds like there's a niche in that market. There. Reef, Reef of Madness <laughs> has one. Oh, yeah. We're up uh, to top two. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you have a, a favourite, Benjamin? Um, look, I, I like a lot of them. Um, I think my favourite is probably Don't Quit While You're Ahead. Yeah. Purely because um, it's such an uplifting anthem and then it's completely juxtaposed with the whole thing collapsing. And I think that's really, really funny. And you hear it on the recording as well, um, just because you're, you're super excited, you're super into it and you're like, yeah, this is keep going. And then suddenly it all falls apart. Um, I think that's a really, really good one. Um, I purely because um, infatuated with the delightful person that played Rosa that we'll talk about soon. Uh, Moonfall is just like a typical gorgeous soprano melody, which is stunning. Um, but so is my least favorite, probably The Wages of Sin. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of audience participation. I'm less... Yeah of a fan of of old women led audience participation <laughs> it's the same thing with pippin like there's you know i you do have that not thing at the end. appreciate no. audience participation um, there was some show i saw oh strictly ballroom at the end of strictly ballroom um when it was touring they allowed everyone to come up on stage and dance i was like ah uh, no awkward that awkward. is tacky yeah it's the end of the movie i mean so it also i mean kind of the whole show is is a little bit on the I know it's all a little bit on the tax side, side, but let's well, just look, not let's just save really... all this shade for another <laughs> for another episode, shall we? Shall we uh, move on and talk about who's been in it? Okay, let's do it. The cast of the Mystery of Edwin Drood, or just Drood. I mean, um, which cast? They're some amazing. One I'm going to go with original Broadway. Okay. Then original West End. Mm-hmm. Then Broadway revival. Mm-hmm. So Broadway Revival has a lot of big names in it. 
So that is... Or to become big names or, after yeah, well, this, yeah. And yeah, well, now, they're yeah. big names now. And, I mean, the 85 and 87 replacements is at least two female big names in there too. Oh, absolutely. So uh, so George Rose was the original Mayor Thomas Sapsey, Chairman William and Cartwright. Uh, obviously, all of these have played multiple roles within it because it's the whole one actor, multiple roles, uh, sort of uh, music house, musical sort of thing. Betty Buckley played Edwin Drew, Dick Datchery and Miss Alice Nutting, but she was <laughs> replaced uh, by Donna Murphy and Paige O'Hara yes. um, in the original run. Patty Kohena, I want to say, played Rosebud, Miss Deirdre and Peregrine. Uh, Which is John- interesting. So those last names are the names of the actors within the show. So it's like a weird, like Rosebud's like on the stage and then Miss Deirdre Peregrine is like the actress. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And then like Patty Kohenor is like the real person. So it'd be it's- like calling you Cartwright, but Cartwright plays Mayor Thomas, Sapsey and Chair Williams. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff <laughs> going on. And so Miss Deirdre plays Rosa Barr Oh, and can Peregrine. you imagine that script trying to read it? <laughs> well, it's similar to Kiss Me Kate where I'm everyone is. I'm going to have to get me highlighter out. <laughs> uh, so then we have Cleo Lane. Uh, George Ann Martin, George Herrera, Ayana Schneider, Joe Grafasi, Grafasi, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Dempsey, and Stephen Glavin uh, in the original Broadway. Uh, if we go to the original West End, we have Ernie Wise. That's a good British name, Ernie <laughs> Wise. Uh, Julia Hills, uh, Sarah Payne, and uh, who was replaced. Uh, by Paddy Kohena from the original Broadway cast. Oh, maybe it's that's the opposite way around. Oh, well, so Paddy Kohena went to West End and was replaced by Sarah Payne? Maybe. It's weird that they've listed it the opposite way, but yeah. okay, that's fine. Uh, David Burt, just Lulu. <laughs> oh, my God, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see this video that. right now. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> and she plays Puffer. Oh, mad about it. That would be so and Among actually- others. <laughs> That that role though, just looking at that list of all the the puffers, like as a as a Brit sitting here right now, that that Wendy Peters, which we may we probably won't talk about because it's just the West End revival. Yeah, but like she's like soap royalty in the United <laughs> Kingdom. Like she used to earn the laundromat in EastEnders. Like you know she's amazing. <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh, oh, Lulu wow. and Wendy Peters. Yeah, yes, Wiki- let's do it. Her Wikipedia like profile pic is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let let's uh let's bump over to the Broadway revival. Oh, so, guys, strap yourself in. It's a good cast. So, Broadway revival, two thousand and twelve. Moist. Jim Norton. <laughs> That's a horrible word. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie J. Block. Oh. Uh, played Edwin Drood, Dick Datchery, and yes. Miss Alice Nothing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Betsy Wolf. Yes. Oh. Will Chase. Yeah. Cheetah Rivera. This is the best cast ever. <laughs> Greg Edelman. <laughs> Andy Carl. <laughs> Jesse Mueller. Oh, yes. Peter so Benson, good. Robert Creighton, and Nicholas oh, Barash. It hurts my soul. It's how quite funny how like the ones that we don't really care about, we're like, eh, <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> if you don't have a Wikipedia article. Bring back Andy Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like that is that is some ensemble that you've got mm. there. Ensemble. And as we were saying earlier, like a lot of these people, you look at someone like, I mean, Betsy Wolf before this, oh. she had only really been in, was it the one with, uh, oh, I should have my, my knowledge. On. I'll click on it. But she was just a backing up singer, a backing singer for um, the woman that played Ursula in Little Mermaid. Oh, was she? Cherry Renee Scott. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so yes, she, yes, she yes. She did that. And then she didn't, I don't think she really did anything else. No. After that, until well, this was, role. Yeah, she was last five years off Broadway. Yes. That was after this, though. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was, was 2013. So, like, before this, you've got opera, opera and concerts, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that musicals are way better than opera. Hey, hey, now. <laughs> hey, hey, now. I mean, ah. Oh, Ragtime. I saw life. her in Bullets Over Broadway. Did you? I did. With Zach Braff. Yeah, I was there. I, I went to the opening night for that. It was very exciting. He wasn't great. She was good. 
You know what she I was mean, in? Yeah, he tried. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> it was very trying. I don't think it was a particularly great show mm. to really help anyone no, it wasn't. springboard a yeah. career off <laughs> that. She was in... It's a song about hot dogs. No, that's I remember. Yeah. yeah. 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee in 2006, yeah. which is six years before this. Was As Rona. Uh, regional. Ah, okay. okay. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back. We will talk Dreamcast. Oh, damn it. Snap, we've already got it. <laughs> Can I say that my Dreamcast for this show is non gender specific? Okay. I think any of the roles can be played by men or women because specifically Edwin Drood, a male role, is traditionally played by a woman. Mm. I wonder why that was. Oh, there was um, a YouTube video with um, with Seventy Day J Block and oh yes, I watched it. Show, yes, what's, what's that guy? The really dude face. Guy. Yeah, 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 dude face. Um, talking about that and they're talking about how even though it's supposed to be a woman playing a bloke, it's still written as a soprano range because. They want you to know that it's a woman. Yeah, they it's want like, you to know. yeah it's like the old. Weird. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a take on the grand dame of a pantomime, mm. but in reverse. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Which makes those duets with, with Rosa Bud ever so slightly more cringeworthy, <laughs> really. <laughs> We're going to belt our faces off to both of each other. It's great. <gasps> Who would I want to cast as Drood? As Drood, I think she she's quite. Old. But again, I'm th- I'm th- I just I just want an ensemble of great actors. Mm, I think I'm going to say casting. continue. Bernadette Peters. Uh, nah. Why? I'll put her as Puffer. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see Not that. Patty. No. <sighs> Who are you? You go away for three weeks and you come back and you're just an entirely different person. I think I'm exactly the same person. <laughs> just the same raging bee I've always been. Now, interestingly. Like I think Stephanie J. Block was such a good oh, choice so of casting. She really was. Um, but I mean, this whole cast, I come seeing it, like I saw it five times and the number of times they were not in it was unreal. And so like seeing oh, some really? of the understudies, Cheetah, I saw it five times. She was only in it once. Like huh. she was always sick and Stephanie J. Block was always sick. So I think it's such a demanding role. Ooh. You need someone with a good like powerhouse. A good constitution, maybe. Oh. <laughs> um Some vitamin you know C. Who you could take a step down for, but like from Stephanie J. Block to this person, but could realistically do it would be Sutton Foster. I was gonna say it can't be one of these shows unless you mention Sutton Foster. Yeah, like she could do it, but I don't think she, I wouldn't probably wouldn't like her as much as Stephanie. I think Deadlock. I'd prefer her probably as someone like um Helena Lamas oh, yeah. to do something yeah. like a little bit more charactery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what about uh NPH as chairman? Yep. As Good one. Neil. Neil Patrick Harris. Oh you mean I think Neil. I'd much rather have him as um John Jasper. I'd say, again, he's one of these people that I think could fit pretty much anywhere yeah. on, this, on this extensive uh, ensemble. <gasps> could you chuck him in as Rosa? <laughs> Just for fun? Sure. Could you imagine like a gender <gasps> swap? Yeah, who would like... be a beautiful Rosa? Ben Platt. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that answer. Cheetah Rivera. But I was going to say Zac Efron. <laughs> Which one gets I mean, his shirt off and we'll put him in that role? Yeah. yeah well, that's the thing. Like, um, is there any shirtlessness in this show? I mean, Drood loses a coat, but. But Drood's played by a woman, usually. I know. Well, so doesn't, she doesn't get totally just, shirtless. You were the one <laughs> so that says, said. There's some tassels going on. You'll be fine. You'll be good. <laughs> See, um, I think the mayor, though, for me, like. I kind of, he's the Marsha Serenis. I think he needs to be a bit older. I, I know that we're talking about like just dream cast, but I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, like. John Lithgow? That could work. But Someone they have to other have... than me said it. Someone other than me said it. <laughs> I just said it before you could say it. What about, what about Joel Grey? Like he's very old. I don't know if he would he be up to it. Kelsey Grammer. That would not I was be a just good. thinking, <laughs> I was actually just thinking, who is the guy that plays Frasier? But no, his brother, Niles, yeah. whatever yeah. the guy, he could he's be a good well, one. He's got a lot bit more great. charisma. He's back yeah. in Hello Dolly with Bette Midler. Mm. But that'll be done Bette Midler could be a good quickly. puffer. <gasps> mm, that would be. You that know would a way to my heart, some man. tickets. Because it's, it's not a well-known show either, so I kind of feel that sometimes they definitely put these stars in just to go like, hey, 
This is actually a good show. Like, guys, come on. Just come, come in, watch come it. Come on, it. come on, come on. We'll pay you know, a lot of money. someone who I'd like to see get more character again. Like, he's been character before, but now he's kind of fallen into, like, this leading man role. I would love Christian Ball <gasps> to be somewhere in this. On Puffer. Screen, as Puffer would be Oh, my God. Could hilarious. you imagine, like, being, like, a male <laughs> pimp? Yeah. <laughs> like, opium den master. Oh, <laughs> yes. Ooh, yeah, actually, I just, I can see some really good costumes for that, to be honest. What about... Brian. Billy Porter as as Rosa. Who? Billy Porter. Sure. <laughs> okay. <You could> have, <laughs> um, I was thinking of John Jasper. You could have, and then she went out of my head because you said Billy Porter. Oh no, that I really ruined it. Out. Oh, you did. And that all can think is Billy Porter as John Jasper, and that's I a very interesting look. Billy- Harvey Firestein as Puffer. <laughs> oh, Brian Darcy <gasps> James would be a good John Jasper. Brian Darcy James would be a great Jasper. Because I mean, we we didn't talk about it in the music, but he does this amazing Jekyll and Hyde moment where he like talks to himself and i think that would be amazing oh. to watch like brian darcy james just talk to himself That's some good stuff good cast guys good casting i agree let's uh let's send that off into the ether broadway you Dear have our wishes broadway ether. <laughs> <laughs> and we will take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk top five lists If Drood were to appear on top five lists, which top five lists would it appear on? Top five musicals that we've recorded where I have wanted KFC during the recording. All right. I, that's Why? a big Why? list, Julie. <laughs> it's a big list. You want KFC almost every time you're at my house. Is that to do with the show or just because you're it's a little bit like hungry? A, no, it's like a memory thing now <laughs> where I'm conditioned to want KFC when I'm here. Anyway. I would say in the vein of come from away ensembles, top five ensemble shows. uh, Mm. Where there is just like kind of a group of people that play a whole bunch of different roles uh, Mm. and like that kind of ensemble rather than like leads slash ensemble, Mm. that kind of breakup. I think think it's a shoe-in for that. Mm. Yeah, because there's not really, apart from Drew, but then he, she isn't in it for most of the second act anyway. It's yeah. kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's around. True. I guess uh, Putnam County Spelling Bee might be another one that yes. on that list because it is just kind of one group of people playing mm. with the roles that they needed. They do have a main role, yeah. but also they play Absolutely. a whole bunch of other ones. So, I'd say top five um, self songs with yourself, like your own duets. <laughs> All right. Kind so of like you, I think you've got the, the thing City from of Angels. City of Angels. You've got Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Drood. It's not too many. I think hours. That's pretty much it. I mean, you know, you're never going to be the Hoff, but you're going to try. <laughs> Someone's got to be at some point. Good go. <laughs> uh, top five audience participation musicals. Yeah. 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 Top five breaking the fourth wall musicals. <sighs> it's, it's a big, it's a big thing, but oh. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go with the show within a show mm-hmm. because oh, there's no a lot tell. more. Yeah, there are. Um, I think so because there would there would be spam a lot up there. Top yeah. five continually musicals. breaks the show. Fourth wall. Top five musicals based on a Charles Dickens novel. Oliver. Oliver. This one. This one. I mean, I've never heard of Tale of Two Cities the musical. No. You heard of um? Oh man, why can't I think of the Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol. Yeah. There's a lot of versions. Thank of you, that Muppets. Too. <laughs> 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 um. Can we can we say top five like gender bent roles for Drood being played mm. by a woman uh-huh. traditionally? Yeah, yeah, because there aren't there aren't really two. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's of not other many roles. men played by women. There are a lot of women played by men. Oh yes, like, um, like traditionally, Lacage, Lacage, <laughs> <laughs> but hairspray as well. Yeah. Even um, like Miss Hannigan would be amazing as a guy played. Amazing. That's totally where it should all be going. Can um, Rooster be a woman then? Because like you can't like take away the only good role in Annie and then give it to a man. Yeah, absolutely. I would watch an all-female production of Annie. I oh, did God. an all-female that. production with like little children. <laughs> it was quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say top five 
borderline racist characters. Oh, I mean, if you include anything from Rogers and Hammerstein, <laughs> well, I don't know if it's the cut stop five. When you say borderline racist, do you mean like forgivably racist? Okay, then like, yeah. Like, I, I like, say, I, it's funny and it's okay and it's lighthearted so we forgive it or is it kind of like, because there are a lot of musicals from back in the day mm. when it's just kind of like, oh, you can't really do that anymore. I would probably say forgivable only because in the actual show themselves, like when they become the real people again, so yeah. the people that are not playing the Neville Landlesses, um, they do make light of they the fact that they're like, we can only get away with this because we're in a British music hall. <laughs> I think it's definitely unlike some of the older musicals where it is. I think... Where they just decide to make up entire races that are very <laughs> similar to races that exist. <laughs> Naming no shows or no. Now, famous this partnerships. This might be the only one on the list, but top five choose your own adventure musicals. I think there should be more of these. I think that we should. It's a really interesting formula. Let's just say there's going to be. Top five voting within the musicals musical. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. kind of goes to the audience participation, but like, oh, it's so much Just fun. from like a data collection perspective, um, there should be a Mystery of Edwin Drood app and they have to vote through the app. Well, it's funny you should say that. Because then you can get all the details. Uh, a Brisbane creator, <laughs> Nathan Sibthorpe. Yes. He's doesn't do many musicals, but the, his last two shows have included some sort of audience yeah. voting participation. Like he did one where it was like a reality cooking show where they got like local politicians in to cook something with things that were voted on by the audience live and video Like ready, stream. steady, cook. But yeah, in part <gasps> of a performance. The of. musical. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Could you imagine having like a real life working kitchen on the stage? <laughs> Like, Let's make it happen. I've brought you a lemon and a cucumber and an ice have to cube cook tray. In real time. But yes. no gin. <laughs> what are you going to make? So, yeah, I will say the technology has been developed and exists somewhere. But part of me thinks, though, that that goes almost against everything that this show is about. This show well, is not all. Not particularly the... for this one. Yeah. But, like, if you're doing, like, American Idol, the musical, or something well, the, like that. Well, because the Eurovision one, that already yeah. has the, yeah. the voting, doesn't it? Which is okay. fun. Well. All right, well, is that all our top fives? Do we have any more? Uh, top, we say our top five opium ballets. Top five opium ballets. Or hallucinogenic ballets. ballets. So I can think of two. I'm sure there are more. Let's drugs make are some. A thing. What? And yeah, top. they're a thing. They exist in the world. <laughs> you got some poppy seed muffins? I could go for some opium. I don't have any poppy seed muffins, unfortunately. <laughs> I will get some for next recording. Thank you. Top five <laughs> resurrections. Because, I mean, they talk about Lazarus rising from the grave. And that's not too many other ones. I'll give it to you. I'll pay it. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't aren't many. I guess you could put Tinkerbell in in (laughs) any of the Peter Pans. (laughs) She's resurrected. Is it a musical, though? There are are like five different musical versions of Peter Pans. Oh, yes. And I was asked to be in one and I said no. All right. Well, I think that 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 exhausts our top fives. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk lessons we've learned. So, what did you learn from the mystery of Edwin Drood? Don't take someone else's coat, or you will get murdered. It's true. Storms are are, are a treacherous time <laughs> to be alive. My God. I learned <laughs> that you don't have to have the ending for it to be a good musical. True. All right. It does have to have an ending, though. It has an ending. I mean, that's but a very long like musical, otherwise. They, the book didn't have an ending. It's true. They just rolled with it. Roll with the punches. Roll with the death. I think it's, it's uh, there's something about, like, presenting a musical in a very upfront way, like we're putting on a show and we're involving mm. you, so get think- involved with it. They did the, that very cleverly, whereas some other shows do it in a way that kind of comes off as snobbish and weird. I think in, from the from the outset from this one though, because of the the lack of an overture and on on track, it's like it's very much like here here, well, it's here we are. Like mm. it's like we're yeah. gonna we know exactly who we are. We're not pretentious. We're just a bunch of what people doing stuff. 
We'll just go through that. We'll just, we'll just leave Julie's momentary lack of professionalism in for everyone to hear. Her face was, her face was great, though. That was terrifying. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's not a lot of lessons that are easy to learn from this because the ending is so <laughs> ambiguous, like who did what to whom when and and what was the exact journey that... Is it just a lesson of just be nice to everyone? Just be nice to everyone. Just don't be a What a stupid jerk. lesson. Boo. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and that the schizophrenia is nothing to joke about? Yeah. I mean, that's... Something, something about opium as well. Like, probably don't do opium. Or if you are, don't sell it and run a brothel. Oh, you guys yeah. are such party poopers. <laughs> oh, tell you now. Oh, I, my... I mean, also Laudanum. Like Laudanum was a big plot point in this. It wasn't. Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. I don't even know what that is. It's. It's basically an opiate that you ingest rather than you smoke. This is why oh. I'm, a, I'm a good boy. So it used to be so like, like an anesthetic. I was reading that thinking it was like a, <laughs> a description of a something, like not a thing itself. Ah, well, no, it's a thing. Turns out I can't read. So. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. She learned that whole uh, synopsis by memory, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the actual process of getting this musical written is that you can do it. If you are passionate about it, you can write the whole thing. Then do the music and do the lyrics and it is yours. That is exhausting. It is. I mean, as a composer myself, like you, you, it's nice to have someone to bounce ideas off. So I think if you're going to do something like this, you need to have a bloody good friendship base. Yeah, because you can get very involved in your own work. And if you don't get some feedback early on, <laughs> you've just created a monster. I mean, he did take his time as well. So it was a few years of him going back and doing it and going back and doing it again. But so. I think if you've, if you've got that dream, though, I think that might be a lesson to go for. If you've got a dream or if someone's promoting what you should be doing, just go for it. Life's way too short to sit and go, oh, I can do it next year. That's it. Cause this, it. Yeah, this guy Get did it. it. And, you know, he's had it on Broadway twice. No one's going to do it for you. No. You know what? The, the poster for The Mystery of Edwin Drood mm. looks a lot like Glenn Close. Just saying. Which which poster? The first one. The first one, I think. Yes, Buckley. So yeah, mm. it's quite. That's quite a cool, like sort of almost like Art Decoy poster, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's super cute. Mm. I wouldn't mind that framed. Because the new one really took a more of a. <laughs> <laughs> for those that didn't see that, <laughs> she's heavily the hinting super for gifts. Because <laughs> the new one is is way more like based on the um the curtains and proscenium and stuff. It's got like yeah. all these like red, ridiculously yeah. plush velvet, and it looks curtains. a lot like curtains. It does the musical, not blinds. Venetian <laughs> blinds. <laughs> the look that I just got. Partitions the musical. <laughs> Yes, and I guess I guess this musical, as well as many other musicals, teaches this lesson: just don't don't kill people because it, you very rarely get away with it. Well, but, but but no one died though, though. No, but someone almost didn't get away with not killing someone because they intended to kill someone. <laughs> oh, good God, stop! <laughs> <laughs> so All right, got okay. off on a technicality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the lessons we've learned. Let's take a break, and we'll come back with our farewells. All right, well, thanks for joining us, Benjamin. Is there anything you would like to plug? Anything coming up in, in the near days? Plug, plug, or plug, weeks? plug, Yeah, plug, absolutely. Plug, plug, so plug. there's a cute little show down at um, the Tin Shed in, in Bean Lee uh, by the Phoenix Ensemble. Oh, yeah, um, Phoenix. So they're 25 years old this this Aww, this year. Oh, so young. So, um, so they put a nice little cute musical review together of the 51 shows that they've done in the last 25 years. Cool. Um, so that's cute. It's, it's How time flies. Yeah, I know. There's, there's, yeah, there's so much music, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's good and it's nice and it's a good sort of evening, especially if you've got people that don't know anything about musical theatre, just bring them along. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, there's no plot. It's just <laughs> some singing, some dancing, some costumes, and it's adorable. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll put uh, links to that in the show notes. Perfect. Uh, so feel free to check there. Is there a website that you might be able to say to get people to go to? Check Absolutely, yeah. Or... So uh, phoenixensemble.com.au. Um, so you can find all the information on there if you click there. Excellent. Uh, yeah, awesome. 
All right, and if you want to find out more about us, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter at Musicals Teach Me, or you can send Julie an email at Musicals Taught Me Podcast at gmail.com. Beep, beep, boop, beep, 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 boop. <laughs> uh, w- if you want to become one of our patrons, Which you otherwise known to. as the best people on the planet, mm. uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash musical stormy everything I know. And there you are guaranteed to get one patron exclusive episode a month. Can we least. start calling our Patreon subscribers? Can we start calling them B pop? Best B- people on planet? Best B-pop. people on planet. B pop. B pop. B pop. Okay, B-pop. if you want to be a B pop. Yeah. You want to be a B-pop? Go to patreon.com forward slash musical store me everything I know. Whew, that's a big, that's a mouthful. <clears throat> if you are not yet subscribed to us, get your phone out. Get your Download finger out, really. a podcast app. Type in musicals taught me everything I know. Hit subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a review. That gets those apps to push us out there. Gets more musical fans listening and also on the show. And the more people we have listening, the better the show will be, I think. Ooh, yeah, I might put in a little bit more effort. It's true. A little bit. It's true. At the moment, bare minimum. Phone bare it minimum. In. It's a good job that we like you. It's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm pretty. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Benjamin, for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for having and me. And thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.